you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Wow, we sin all the time, but hey, God forgives us, right? Well, he does, but you know Jesus said there's one thing that God will not forgive, not now, not ever. Do you know what that is? He will never forgive? Never. Let's find out what it is today on on More Than Than Ink. Well, yes, this is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad that you joined us. We are reading our way, walking our way, wondering our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And Which we're is about all through. about Jesus. All about the Jesus. The Son of God, God yeah. in the flesh. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's written, it's authored, it's penned by a guy who was a tax collector we found out some time ago. He used to sit on the streets and demand money from his friends and neighbors as they walked <laughs> by. And uh, Jesus pulled him out of that, radically changed him, and here he is penning the life of Jesus and his ministry. And we're in the, the middle of it. We're in chapter 12, and, uh, and this is uh, where Jesus is very active up in northern Galilee, um, doing a lot of public events, healing people, speaking, and, uh, and actually getting in some hot water. We got in some hot water well, last time when we well, were here. Well, yeah. The, when this passage opens, it's because uh, it's right after he had healed that man in the synagogue with the withered hand. On the Sabbath, right right. in the face of the religious authorities. And he said, you know, God is more interested in compassion than he is in your ceremonial it sacrifice. It was quite defiant against the Pharisees. So uh, so they made a pact at that point. And it says right there in the last verse we were in, in, in chapter 12, verse 14, the Pharisees went out, they conspired right. against him and how to destroy him. And here we are in chapter 12. It right. won't be until chapter 26 that Jesus is arrested. So from here until the end of this gospel, Jesus is going to be in hot water with the Pharisees with everything he does and everything well, he says. And we see the tempo and the obs- the uh, the opposition increasing. Yeah, the opposition increases. Him. Yeah. So the conspiracy yeah. doesn't go away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, let's see where we are today. If you're following with us, we're in chapter 12 and verse 15. And uh, why don't you read for us and let's see what's happening. So Jesus, aware of this, now that's a reference to their conspiring against him. The conspiring, right? They want to destroy him. Aware of this, he withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. 
Okay, that's interesting. So we get a big quote from Isaiah. From Isaiah, Isaiah yeah. 42, actually, and it is verbatim. It's uh, very close. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's quite remarkable. And what strikes me most about this passage is uh, this quotation from Isaiah is that twice the Gentiles are referred to, the nations, remarkable. the outsiders. The outsiders, right? yeah, yeah. And we know that Matthew's gospel is written with an emphasis on a message toward the Jews because he quotes from Isaiah, he quotes from Deuteronomy, he mm-hmm, quotes the mm-hmm. Old Testament. It's all kind of pointing toward the Jewish ears. But here he quotes from Isaiah 42, which is a, emphasizing that the, this one has come for everyone. Yeah, yeah. The outsiders, the Gentiles, the nations. That's right. And, and uh, But, you know, he introduces it. You know, again, we said Matthew's the one who's penning this. But he introduces it because he says Jesus' reaction to this conspiracy to take him down fulfilled this it fulfilled mm-hmm. Isaiah 40 so it'll take us a second to figure out why this is really a fulfillment because it says uh, in verse 16 he ordered them you know the people around not to make known what was going on right. kind of to go low key sort of undercover don't spread the word too fast and we've said this before that that in the timeline of Jesus' public ministry, he knew that if he stuck his neck out too soon or too publicly, let's put it that way, that it would cause um, it would cause a reaction from the Pharisees too soon, and right. he wouldn't have a full three years of ministry. It might he might actually get arrested way too soon. So this was this is the way for Jesus to say, well, let's uh, let's let's chill a little bit, let's cool a little bit. I mean, he's still as active as he was going to be, but he just didn't want it to be promoted and talked about too widely. It's interesting because he had already sent out the 12 to do exactly that to do right that. we read yeah, that a couple chapters yeah, ago so yeah. um but he still seemed to be controlling the speed at which the message was going that's out. it the speed that it's being being known on a wider scale and so that's why in matthew's mind why would he quote isaiah 42 as a fulfillment this kind of going undercover why would that be a fulfillment of isaiah and that's when if you look at isaiah 42 uh, it talks about his servant behold my servant and of course mm-hmm. we're talking about jesus right. here we're talking about the the promised messiah from the old testament perspective um and and the beloved one in whom uh, my soul is well pleased so we're clearly talking about jesus i'll put my spirit upon him okay that makes sense and he'll proclaim justice to the gentiles well that's this uh, amazing thing that this messiah who is the messiah of israel now will actually be the hope of the gentile mm-hmm. world as well in terms of bringing justice but it's when he moves into verse 19 here is where you start to see this sort of undercover don't broadcast it too loudly and he uses some metaphors that may not be really familiar to us <laughs> but he he, he kind of talks what it means in 19 he says he won't quarrel or cry aloud which means he won't be loud brash outspoken like john the baptist like John the Baptist was, yeah. And so, so, nor anyone will hear his voice in the streets. He's not going, he's not in an overpowering way, Mm -hmm. marching down the streets and proclaiming with a big bullhorn and just being really noticeable. He's not going to be like that. And so he uses these other two metaphors to kind of talk about what that looks like. Well, they're very tender. They're very gentle. Gentle. He's not going to break off a bruised reed or stamp out a smoldering wick. Right, right, right. right. And a bruised reed, if you think about uh, like a piece of grass or something like that, it gets bent over. Um, you're not going to just break it off. Right. So you, what you're seeing is like a, a very tender shoot of a plant that's been it's been bumped and broken over. Well, and this is in, in reference to his healing ministry. Yes. Right? Yeah, Here absolutely. are these bruised and broken ones. He is healing, and there's still a smoldering little bit of life in them, and he mm-hmm. is fanning to flame yeah. the life that is there. But what yeah. I find very interesting that kind of the central 
piece of this Isaiah passage is that I will put my spirit on him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in the next, in the rest of this chapter, we're going to see Jesus is going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the inability to recognize the work of the Spirit and inability to distinguish the works of the Spirit from from the works of other kinds of Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So um, I think that might be in Matthew's mind when he he quotes this particular passage. But also uh, in in Isaiah 42, if if you look at Isaiah 42 and you read on past the quoted part, in verse 7, Isaiah says of 42, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from prison. Prison. I am mm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's my name. God is the one who opens the blind eyes, who frees the captives, right? And so uh, we're going to see that kind of unfolding through the next couple of right, works that right. Jesus does. So in this quoting of Isaiah 42, this is this is one of the most profound descriptions that created such excitement in the Jewish community about the coming mm-hmm. of a Messiah, the coming of a Messiah. It wasn't a vague kind of thing. And here we understand he's God's servant. He'll be filled with his spirit. Uh, his message will be for Gentiles as well as Jews. What a surprise that is. And yet, instead of being like a loud braggadocio bully marching down the streets and bragging, there's going to be something extremely soft and tender and gentle about his approach. And according to Matthew right here, that matches with Jesus sort of pulling out of public visibility and doing what he's doing sort of undercover and gently with those who need gentle healing. So indeed, this is the Messiah, but not big and loud, Mm -hmm. but gentle and tender and behind the scenes okay but there's one more thing here and that is twice isaiah refers to justice yes big deal the putting right of what is wrong yes and and so that is a uh, an earmark of what Messiah will do. So we know that the Jews expected justice to come in a warlike manner and to put the Romans in their place. Right, right. But Isaiah is talking about a different kind of justice, yeah. doing right by those who are blind, imprisoned, uh, over, you know, not seen, yeah. uh, not allowed in. Uh, he will bring justice to victory. And, it's and the, the Gentiles will hope. It's, it's those lowly ones who feel like they've been dispossessed and right. have been done dirt to. And, and, and so this Messiah is the one who's going to come and be the champion for the lowly yeah. which is what's really exciting about it i you know when i checked out the the translation in the old testament he says this really clearly in the fourth verse of isaiah 42 he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established, established justice, justice in the mm-hmm. earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really great picture of hope in terms of justice that finally now will be pervasive rather right. than rare. Right. And that's what the Messiah does. Yeah, great stuff. But he won't do it shouting from the rooftops. That's well, John the Baptist's job. No, but we need to press on. <laughs> okay. We talked about the Holy Spirit. Verse 22. Okay, then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? Okay, Mm. so that's a messianic title. Very messianic. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it's only by Beelzebul and the prince of demons that this man casts out (laughs) demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them. Well, let's let's stop oh, there for a stop second there. Okay. before Jesus yeah. responds to him, because they they see this thing that's just very very much to right. them. It's it's uh, supernatural. It's clearly supernatural. Clearly, this is them testifying to the supernatural nature of what he did. And of course, the people make the conclusion and ask, "Hey, maybe this is maybe the Messiah, this is Messiah, son of David." 
But now that really tweaks the Pharisees. You don't want to claim that Jesus is the Messiah when they're sure this guy is just an imposter. So their snappy comeback is, well, he is doing it by some supernatural power, but it's not God. Yeah. It's Beelzebul. What's amazing to me is that (laughs) they are totally unable to distinguish the works of God from the works of Satan. Right. right. And that here in the the healing of this man who was blind and mute, so he couldn't Mm -hmm, see mm -hmm. and he couldn't communicate, but it doesn't say he couldn't hear. He probably could hear. Now, the Pharisees could hear, but they formed the wrong conclusion from what they heard. They were the blind ones, right? right? Well, it's it's only the natural conclusion for them. If you see something supernatural and you're convinced by your prejudice that Jesus is not from God, well, the only other supernatural source is the devil himself. And by the way, just just as an aside, did you know that Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies? Yeah, I did know yeah. that, actually, but our so, listeners might not. They yeah, might not. Yeah, that very famous novel written by, I think it was William Golding. But I mean, th- this is really interesting, Beelzebul. So he's saying, he's saying they're saying Jesus is, is, is garnering some kind of supernatural power, but it's not God. And that, that just doesn't logically make oh, sense. So Lord of the Flies, right? That indicates king of rot, right. king of death, right. king over right. things that are going backwards in terms of (laughs) of growth and life yeah yeah which jesus is doing obviously the opposite of that it's not yeah it's not decay we're healing their their inability to recognize this just just amazes me and i just thought uh earlier today about what paul says in second corinthians 4 4 about how the god of this world blinds the minds of the unbelieving so that they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Yep, right? Yep. Their eyes were so blinded because they were determined to find a Messiah who was after their own expectation. Yep, yep. And they only want to see what they want to see. So Jesus has his has his comeback to this crazy, this crazy assertion that it must be being done by the power of Satan. So he goes on in verse 25. So knowing their thoughts, knowing their thoughts, and he knows what they're thinking, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand, which is quite logical. It's obvious. It's common sense. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will this kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Talking about the other Pharisees. Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone... Well, let's just stop right oh, yeah, there because he continues his, his thing. So he makes a lot of sense here. Well, he's made reference to the kingdom. The kingdom of yeah. God is here, right? And, and the people had said, is yeah. this the one, the son of David? Is this the king? Right, right. right. So Jesus is saying, uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's a it's an ominous statement he says because he says, if that's true, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Right. And there's a very strong implication of, of uh, imminent justice right. when you say that. Like, you know, ah. It's overcome you. Here right. it comes. Here comes the kingdom. Here Heads comes up. the judge. Here comes all right. that stuff. So it's so he's kind of calling him on the carpet here in a very strong fashion. And then he, he continues his argument um, and talks about uh, Satan as the strong man. So, or how can someone, this is 29, or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Hmm. Uh, 
then indeed he may plunder the house. So what he's saying is, is that if I'm, I'm plundering the house by throwing out right. these demons, right. how is it possible for me to throw out the demons unless I actually have overpowered Satan right. himself? I'm stronger than they so are. So this is an extraordinary, extraordinary claim of the authority and power over all things in the spiritual realm by this man, Jesus, who is indeed the Messiah, who is the tip of the spear of the coming of the kingdom of God. And we've said before that the demons knew who Jesus was. They, they are the only right. people in the early accounts of the Gospels who actually are the only beings who actually verbalize, it. who right. recognize, right. Uh, you are the Son of God, what do right. you have to do with us? Right. right? Right. And remember that one time he says, don't tell anybody because he's, he was trying to stay undercover. Right. Know, so it didn't get spread. But yeah, but they recognized who he was instantly. They knew who he was. So Jesus makes a powerful claim about the fact that what you've just said about me coming from the power of Satan does not make sense. It's just logically stupid. But then he gets very personal. In yeah, this is pretty pointed. Yeah. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Mm. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Yeah, this is serious stuff So, you know, when I was a young believer, there was a lot of conversation about us who didn't understand, well, what is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. Why is that the only Mm -hmm. thing that can't be forgiven? Right, right. And so, uh, that's really important here because they have attributed the works of god to satan yeah yeah now well oh, oh go ahead say what you're going to say you finish your thought well my thought here was that it should raise the question why but jesus has drawn this line in the sand back in verse 30 he said if you're not with me you are against me mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. are not gathering with me or to me you are scattering So he's saying to those who considered themselves the leaders, the gatherers, the shepherds of Israel, uh, if you are not with me, you are working against the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're, put in the modern vernacular, in the spiritual realm when it comes to who Jesus is, there's only a bipolar response. Right, a binary response. There's only only two positions. There's only for him or against him. And yet the Pharisees themselves, as they stand here in front of Jesus, consider themselves God's people, God's spokesmen. They are pro-God. They are not anti-God. But what Jesus is saying is if you're going to claim that what the Holy Spirit is doing is actually not the Holy Spirit, but it's Satan himself, then I'm sorry. You can't can't call yourself pro-God. That's just that's just an idiot kind of statement. You're either with me or you're against right. me. And so Jesus, as he had mentioned before, has come to bring that division in people. You're right. either with him or you're against him. And he used the idea of a sword back a couple of chapters right, ago. Right. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Yeah. Dividing. There's a very sharp dividing line. You so, are either with him or against him. So, so in this case here, face to face with the Pharisees, mm-hmm. he's challenging their presumption that they are the pro people, the pro God people in this discussion. He's saying, you're not. And if you go so far as to confuse what the Holy Spirit does with what Satan does, well, that's just unforgivable. I mean, that's, that's so fundamental. You can't go away from okay, that. Okay, but why? That's the question that I think is worth talking about. Why is it that this refusal to recognize the work of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit? 
breath of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is that the one thing that can't be forgiven? I've thought about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you look at uh, what Jesus says in the Gospel of John about the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit, right, right. he calls him the spirit of truth who guides you into all truth. Mm-hmm. Well, if you reject mm-hmm. the truth, that can't be forgiven. Yeah. Right? There is only the one yeah. true truth. That Jesus said in John 16, he convicts of sin, he convicts of righteousness, he convicts of judgment. Well, if you refuse the conviction of the Holy Spirit regarding sin, there is no forgiveness. The yeah. way to be forgiven is to acknowledge sin and repent. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jesus also said in John 16 that the, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He bears Makes witness him about me. Recognizable right. and worthy, right. re- recognizable as worthy of the glory of God. Yeah, yeah. Right, or the, the glory of God recognizable in him, as we said from 2 Corinthians 4 4. So, right. you know, right. if you refuse or misidentify the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God cannot, will not forgive that because it is through his Holy Spirit that our sin is convicted and we repent. Well, yeah, how, how can you ask forgiveness of God's Holy Spirit when you don't believe the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit? You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you, if you actually confuse the Holy Spirit with the power of Satan, so it, it's, it's just dumb. It just doesn't matter. That's the fundamental thing. And, and in all of judgment, the real issue that Jesus highlights, especially in the Gospel of John, that in the end, uh, judgment is all, all going to be about who you consider Jesus to be. That's right. That, that's that's right. the thing. So that's not forgivable if you get that wrong. <laughs> you got to get that right. But here, fascinatingly, here Jesus is doing remarkable public miracles. Right. Clearly, Clearly the Holy Spirit at work. Supernatural, <laughs> and it's meant to glorify and to, and to set a foundation of who this man is in front of their eyes. And it's supposed to be unmistakable, and yet in their prejudice, they're saying, no, it's Satan instead. Well, and they refuse to recognize the healing and the goodness and the health and the life-giving nature yes. of his ministry. God yes. is all about giving life to those who are dead. Which is why to claim this is Beelzebul is just... It's, it, just, it's astonishingly stupid. It, well, it's not just, it's willfully <laughs> it's willful. blind. But, but like that's you said, terrifying like thing. you said before, Beelzebul, you know, the Lord of the Flies, we're talking about, think of a decaying, rotting animal with flies right. around it. And we're talking, they're saying what we saw you do in terms of freeing this man from these demons, right. or previously, just previously, healing this man's hand. We, we don't see that as being healing and constructive. We see it more consistent with what Satan or Beelzebul right. would it's do. It's rotten. It's rotten. And then yeah. Just like no, no, absolutely not, no. So, so every you know every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. But boy, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, that won't be forgiven. I mean, mm-hmm. to actually say that the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit and is, and is Satan himself, it's the it's the core it's the core um, assertion you see more in the Old Testament about people calling evil good and good right, evil, and that's right. exactly what you see going on here. And that just won't be forgotten when when the Holy Spirit has come here in Jesus, according to Isaiah forty two, clearly to demonstrate the presence of God and the coming of the kingdom. Right now, it's come upon you. Yeah, and the Spirit being the very breath of God. Yeah. And God had made that visible at the baptism of Jesus, when mm-hmm. in that visible form. There was something representing the the anointing of the Holy Spirit being yeah. placed on Jesus. Yeah. 
It yeah. just makes me so sad. And yet it just demonstrates this blindness of the mind that refuses to acknowledge the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Right, right. Well, we know at this point, because where we left off back in uh, just a few verses ago, the, when, after he healed the, the man with the lame hand, that they went off to, they conspired to figure right. out how to destroy him. They have already determined in their heart that he's the enemy. He's clearly the enemy. We're out to destroy him. Um, so it, it seems as though that that concept of Jesus being evil, concept of Jesus being an imposter, the concept of Jesus being the false Messiah is something that from this point on, they're not going to be able to see their way around. Now, well, it tells us that, I mean, you said they saw themselves as God's people, but they clearly were not God's people. Right. Because right. God's people recognize his voice. They recognize his work. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, amazingly, uh, Isaiah 42, which Matthew quotes right here, should be something that they know so well. Right. They did. I'm sure they did. That they should be able to take the picture in your minds from Isaiah 42 and look at what Jesus is doing right in front of them and say, you know, maybe this guy is the son mm-hmm. of David. Maybe he is the Messiah because, because we're seeing supernatural things happening. So... Yeah. As we know, there were a few who did. Now, Matthew doesn't recount right, it, but right. in John's gospel, we have Nicodemus, who was Nicodemus, one of them, yeah. comes to Jesus at night and says, now, we know mm-hmm. nobody can do the stuff you do unless God is at work in him. Yeah, yeah. So there was not only Nicodemus, but probably a small handful of others who who recognized what was going on. Yeah, yeah. But by and large, we have a, a gigantic, determined conspiracy right. against Jesus. And and it's it's really falsely conceived because they see Jesus not as the Messiah, but as an imposter mm-hmm. Messiah. And there's nothing as dangerous as an imposter Messiah. And, you know, if you fast forward to where you see the Apostle Paul, when he's named Saul at the beginning of Acts, he's convinced that Jesus right. is a, false, a right. false Messiah. And so the best thing he can do is persecute the people that are spreading the word right. about the fact that Jesus is no actually the true Messiah. He says, no, we got to nip that in the bud. So... So right here, Jesus doesn't just doesn't just confront them about their error. He says, if you're not with me, you're against, you're against me, me. And you're not pro-God, you're actually anti-God. And you're actually blaspheming the very Holy Spirit of God himself, if you're not with me. It's all, from this point on in the Gospels, it's all going to be about who do men say that I am? Mm-hmm. Because that's the key issue. If he is the Messiah, you line up with him because the kingdom of God has come upon you. If he's not the Messiah... Look out because you're against him. And you will actually be actively involved, not in gathering together a harvest of people to follow God, but you'll be actually dividing people against God himself. Mm-hmm. And you do not want to be there. Well, we are out of time. Mm. That's a sobering place to stop. <laughs> it's a sobering place to stop. But as we come back, and we'll, we'll still be in Matthew here in chapter 12, as we come back, uh, we're going to see this ongoing, continued sparring between Jesus and the Pharisees because they just can't handle what they're seeing. The religious leaders have decided it's time to destroy this man, and that story will continue on as we continue in the rest of Matthew 12. So I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're delighted you're with us. Please read ahead and get a preview before we start talking about it, and uh, and we'll have a fun time just discussing it. So we'll see you here next time on More, More Than, Than Ink. Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself 
and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. Now or ever. Ever? Ever! This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.